Hi everyone, uh, this is Tamiko Bayer. This is a audio offering of Starlight and Strategy, my newsletter, and I'm recording this on June 23rd, 2020. Um, yeah, I think I'll just jump right into it. Um, so last week I was on a call organized by the Movement for Black Lives um, with many Asian American organizations um, on the call. Um, they were talking about how to support the Juneteenth Days of Action that happened last weekend and, um, and how to care, help carry on this work um, going forward of, you know, black liberation um, with a focus on their specific demands of defunding the police, investing in black communities, and demanding that Trump resign. So during that call, uh, somebody... Uh, from the Movement for Black Lives, I don't remember who it was, um, talked about how this work is, you know, part of the work towards collective liberation. And during the Q&A, someone uh, wanted to know a little bit more about what that meant. And so the person who took the question, I believe, was M. Adams, who is the co-executive director at Freedom, Inc. And M talked about how the black feminists of the 1970s really gave us a roadmap for thinking about that. And when they said that, I thought of, and, I, and I'm imagining that M was referencing the Combahee River Collective Statement, which was written in 1977. And for those of you who might not be familiar with it, um, it was written by a, a collective of black feminists and lesbians um, who actually had roots in Boston. Um, and I know about it. I came across it many years ago um, because of my obsession with Audre Lorde, as longtime readers of this newsletter know. Um, I'm a big fan of Audre Lorde, and she was part of the collective at some point. So after the call, I was just thinking about that and how, how true, it, true it is that these women and thinkers um, really gave us a roadmap for how we can be thinking about this work today um, and really how they've laid the groundwork for black feminist work um, since the time that they wrote it. So I, I went back and I reread the whole thing and I just wanted to share some of, some of it with you all. Um, so the statement, um, part of the statement, they talk about what it means to organize as black feminists. And um, they talk about how black women's psyches are not valued uh, because of racism and sexism. And they say, quote, we are dispossessed psychologically and on every other level, and yet we feel the necessity to struggle to change the condition of all black women, end quote. Um, and then they go on to quote Michelle Wallace, who wrote a black feminist search for sisterhood. And she writes, uh, we exist as women who are black, who are feminists, each stranded for the moment, working interdependently because there is not yet an environment in this society remotely congenial to our struggle. Because being on the bottom, we would have to do what no one else has done. We would have to fight the world. So the authors of the Kombahi River Statement, uh, River Collective, um, statement, they note that Wallace is pessimistic but realistic in her assessment of black feminists' position. And then here's where they see beyond the limitations of the present moment, uh, kind of where 
Michelle Wallace ends, um, and they see beyond it to a, a liberatory future. And they write, we might use our position at the bottom, however, to make a clear leap into revolutionary action. If black women were free, it would mean that everyone else would have to be free since our freedom would necessitate the destruction of all systems of oppression. And I believe if they were writing this now that they would uh, include trans and uh, non-binary gender non-conforming folks within that. So really the struggle and the work to um, to support and to work towards the freedom of black, trans, and gender non-conforming folks and women um, is really the struggle for all of us to be free. Um, and this revolutionary thinking really has been so important to me in my understanding of intersectionality and of course to so many other feminist queer thinkers of color. And so I'm not going to go on about it, but I do, did want to lift up um, specific works by con contemporary queer black feminist scholars and writers um, that directly come from this statement, and I'll link to them in the transcript below. So the first one I wanted to lift up is um, a book edited by scholar and writer Kianga Yamata-Taylor. It's called How We Get Free, Black Feminism and the Combahee River Collective. And then the second one um, is uh, something called a Combahee Throughline Immersion, um, which I haven't signed up for yet, but I, I plan on it. Um, and it's being offered by the Mobile Homecoming Trust. And here's how they describe it. They say, this, this self-guided course is for people who want to access original scholarship and interactive media to engage the history of the Combahee Uprising, um, which uh, is was orchestrated by Harriet Tubman um, and the Combahee River Collective, and who want to apply the insights of these important examples of collective freedom to their own liberation and the time we are living in now. So I'm super excited to check it out. Um, and the Alexis Pauline Gum, who I, I think I have referenced in this newsletter before, although I'm not 100% sure, um, she's one of the primary forces behind this project. Um, and to end this little audio session, I wanted to just uh, read an excerpt from her latest book, M Archive, After the End of the World. And um, so she says, in inter introducing this, and I'll also link to this in the, in the transcript, but she says, um, this was inspired by a work of um, M. Jackie Alexander, um, and she was inspired, Alexis was inspired to think about um, what would the training space look like, be like, feel like for the creation of a significantly different world. So that's kind of the genesis of this piece, and it starts um, like this. If you treat it like a small and fragile light, vulnerable to wind and whatever, easily extinguished by the weight of our steps. Then everything becomes a dance. You have to release the heaviness in your body and get gentle with darkness on the move. Those were her second instructions to the candle calisthenics class. class. The first instruction was hush. 
They met in the woods at first and later in basements. And no one knew they were walking around all day with their mantras. Breathing is burning and burning is beautiful. They were learning to move as if the world was hot and melting, which it was. But this was no hot yoga trend. They recruited each other silently, new initiates following students to meetings of their own free will, not knowing that a cinnamon could only be perceived when she wanted to be perceived. And so each initiate chose and was chosen. They were using candles to train with, but their real objective was air, life, light. They were learning what heat and impermanence had been trying to teach our species since the first woman made friction into light to watch her sleeping selves. They remembered each other through burns and breath training and no one left, so the contingent only grew. And they grew to know each other so silently that the partial movement of an eyelid Less than a blink could lead them all in changing directions. They grew so quiet and so gentle they could hear each other's ancestors saying, left here, baby, not right. The whole, whole groups of them could move undetected. And so the second and third goals were achieved, both in service to the first. Two, develop the capacity to live underground as close to the core of the earth as necessary. Three, learn to move above ground and return undetected. Okay, that's it uh, from me for now. Thank you again so much for listening. Oh, and I wanted to say if you uh, want to subscribe to this newsletter, I'm donating everything that I raise from the subscriptions to the Movement for Black Lives. Um, so if you've been thinking about subscribing but haven't actually gone ahead and done it, this would be a great time to do it um, because, uh, yeah, <laughs> because we need it. You know, we need the revolution and the Movement for Black Lives is doing really amazing work. So, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks uh, for listening, for reading the newsletter, for subscribing, for sharing it. You guys are awesome, and I hope you are all staying well and fortified in this time. Bye-bye.